0: where we
1: discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. You know, before we get into the episode, I want to say something. You know, most people
0: are a holiday ahead. I was gonna say, I think you say a lot every week. I do. So, <laughs> I mean. Wow. 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 Okay. <laughs> I don't know if you need the the audience and my permission to speak, but go ahead, please. Uh, all right.
1: What I was trying to say is most people are like a holiday ahead. So, you know, it's it's like basically halloween and everybody's already at christmas they're selling stuff at the stores at christmas i feel like we're a holiday behind because we just watched hocus pocus 2 and werewolf by night which came out in october for halloween <laughs> and we're just watching them now everybody else is at christmas so i feel like we're a little bit behind here but i just wanted to say it because they were both very good they were very good hocus I pocus both of them. 2 I was actually surprised how good it was because I said on the show, based on the trailer, it looks like it's the exact same movie as the first Hocus Pocus, and it was not. So I think they did a bad job selling it on the trailer because it was very different. I mean, it wasn't very different. A lot of points were similar, but it wasn't the exact same movie. Uh, And overall, it was really good. I was really surprised by it. I know you loved it.
0: I loved it. I would actually watch that again, and I liked it a gajillion times more than I liked the original. So... I thought it was a lot of fun and um also it got rid of, rid of like the weird you can you can only get away with this in the 90s kind of things that they kind of talked about in the original movie. and werewolf by Night was also really cool. I liked the take on it. i I thought I liked that it was in black and white mostly. so I thought that was I think they were both unique.
1: but hocus pocus too the the kids were great. I love the I love the young versions of all the Sanderson sisters. I oh that they goodness. were they were standouts.
0: Winnie was great. Yeah,
1: they, they were definitely standouts. And then yeah, Werewolf by Night, it was good. I, I like the kind of special presentation thing. You know, it was a 45 minute thing. It was a good kind of contained tale. Introduced us to some of those characters. Don't know if they'll be back or not, but I like that. So if Marvel's going to do more of that, I think that's pretty interesting. All right, let's jump into the Disney news of the week. So uh, this past week, Disney announced their quarterly earnings report. So this is our business segment of the show. But what I thought was interesting. Uh, Before everybody falls asleep, including Angela. I was just going to say. What what I thought was interesting is that the Parks, Experience, and Products Division... Uh, had record profits and the parks had record profits. So that whole division, which includes the parks and products and a lot of other stuff, made $1.5 billion this past quarter. But then the direct to consumer business, which includes streaming and Disney Plus, lost $1.5 billion. So overall, Disney didn't meet analyst expectations. So, you know, Wall Street and the investors were expecting them to make more money than they did, even though, like I said, the parks and everything made more money than they've ever made before, they were still kind of disappointed by that. But what I thought was interesting is it very clearly shows that Disney is using the parks to fund streaming because they basically net themselves out earnings and loss. So I think you know this has been the play that we've kind of seen and suspected, and I think this just goes to show kind of more concrete proof that this is Disney's MO. They're trying to push streaming, they're trying to get as many subscribers to their streaming networks as possible to fund the content. And the only way to fund those losses is to take money from the parks. So I think that's why you're seeing a lot more uh, upsells at the parks and increases at the parks because they're trying to make more money there to offset the growing amount uh, of losses that they're spending uh, on content to essentially just give away for free because you're paying you know, $9 a month and they're basically coming out with a new movie every month for you. So, that's a lot of money they're spending over on streaming.
0: I don't personally see what their end game is for this because eventually they're going to want their streaming to make them money, but I don't know what the upper limit of what people are willing to pay for. I mean, you and I, we just we just for the first time in a very long time got rid of Netflix because Netflix is, you know, their pricing is pretty high compared to the other streaming services that we have. And so temporarily, we've gotten rid of Netflix. I miss it dearly. But Disney Plus is going to have to become profitable at some point, I assume. And how are they going to do that? Because all of these things that they do cost a ton of money to manufacture.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think all the streamers are are facing this. And I think if you look at the Netflix model, it's the model they're going to follow. Whereas, you know, Netflix spends a lot of money on content and they just keep raising the prices. So yeah, I mean, Netflix is now close to twenty dollars a month, uh, and even up to twenty dollars a month for some plans. And so you have to charge that amount of money. You have to have a, a large number of of people too. So if you have, you know, I think they're at one hundred and sixty plus million subscribers on Disney Plus. But if you double the number of subscribers, you immediately double the amount of money you're making. And you didn't spend any more money on content, so they need to get more subscribers and and probably slowly increase the price to the point where they're bringing in more than they're spending on content. So early on, you're you're funneling a lot of money into it to just put as much content on there to keep people engaged, so that you don't cancel, you know, one month to the next. They're doing these things like we talked about last week or the week before with exclusive access to merchandise. You know, if those things are going to drop randomly, you're going to have to stay a subscriber. So doing things like that it takes a lot of money to, to get those subscribers at first. But yeah, eventually you become profitable by charging more, getting more people. And now they're going to have this ad supported tier where they can sell ads to people too. And you can make money off of that. All right, then Disney also announced, finally, some news on the uh, Disneyland Treehouse. So a lot of people thought it was going to be Encanto-themed, uh, maybe you know something else. What were they going to do there? Well, they announced uh, what's going to happen. It's going to open in 2023, and it's going to be called the Adventureland Treehouse. And it's basically a, a reimagining uh, of the original Treehouse and a tribute to Walt's original vision of the Swiss family Robinson Treehouse. So uh, no Encanto, no kind of IP in it. Uh, Right now, it's just kind of going back to Walt's original design. Uh, And in the press release on the Disney Parks blog, uh, Disney writes, The Adventureland Treehouse will showcase wondrous new environments created amongst the branches of a giant tree on the shores of the Jungle River, where guests will once again enter by the giant water wheel and follow the wooden rope stairways up, up, up into the bow. So maybe... There's going to be some connection to the Society of Explorers and Adventurers in there, maybe some nods to that. But I think uh, outside of that, no real tie into any sort of existing Disney IP.
0: Yeah, this is an interesting play here. I kind of like the idea that, you know, Joe and I have kind of said that they need to consider doing their own original park stuff. So I think that this is kind of a nice nod to that and a nice nod to the original designs by Walt. So I think that, you know, it looks really nice. I've seen the mock-ups and as much as I would have loved to have seen it be in Kanto, I think that maybe this could be more evergreen. Um, and I'm excited to see it.
1: Yeah, I I like it. I think, They probably had been designing this before Encanto became popular, and so this was kind of already in place. Encanto would have been amazing. I imagine they have bigger plans for Encanto uh, than just doing a treehouse. But I I like this. I like the idea that it goes back to Walt's original vision. It's kind of a tribute to that, while also a refresh and a reimagining. So I think it gets people excited about an attraction that probably a lot of people passed and didn't even know was there anymore. Um, So it's a nice way to you know, gain some capacity in the parks, getting people to go to an old attraction and, you know, probably not spending a lot of money on on a refresh there.
0: I'm looking forward to when they put Columbia into Epcot.
1: They Yeah, something (laughs) like that. I mean, I think they have probably a lot of, you know, bigger plans for Encanto there overall. And the last thing is Wakanda forever came out this past weekend and was number one at the box office making $180 million. And that's actually going to lead us into our main topic today of, Discussing which MCU franchise is the best because after seeing Wakanda Forever, I questioned to you, Angela. I said, Is Black Panther the best franchise Marvel has right now? So, Marvel, uh, you know, over the past 10 plus years has had uh, a number of movies over 20 plus movies now with a variety of different characters. But some characters have had a franchise, so they've had multiple movies, at least two movies. Uh, Many have had three. Uh, One has had four with being Thor. So we thought we would kind of break down our top three and bottom three franchises uh, with Marvel, seeing as Black Panther came out and is the newest entry uh, into the MCU franchises. We're not including the Avengers movies in here because I think the Avengers franchise is the best franchise in Marvel. It's the most consistent with the first Avengers movie and then Infinity War and Endgame. Disagree. Okay. But I I I think but I think overall I mean Endgame was the biggest movie Marvel has ever done. I think they're going to have a hard time topping that. I think yes. they're going to try to top it with Secret Wars and the Multiverse. I don't know if it's going to have the same emotional impact, but we're we're going to exclude the Avengers because it's kind of unfair because you have every superhero in one movie. Of course they're going to be great.
0: I do need to share my thoughts here. Disagree. Didn't like the first two Avengers too much. You know, too much sausage, sausage stuffed into that casing. Don't know if that metaphor works, but I'm gonna go with it. But Endgame, Infinity War, and Endgame were fantastic. I actually was just talking about um, Endgame and Infinity Wars at work today. I use Infinity Wars as an example, although I'm not really sure how you know fourth grade appropriate Infinity War is, but. Um, and then I was talking to my coworker Michelle about how interesting Thanos or Thanos is as a villain, and how I think it's going to be nearly impossible for Marvel to top him because I think there's you know there's a part of what Th- Thanos was striving for. He was really the hero of his own story, and I, relatively like convincing. I could completely see where he's coming from. So I think that you know f- to have a great story, you have to have a great villain, and I think Thanos is about as good as you can get
1: yeah and they did a great job weaving him through all of the movies I mean he you know from the first Avengers was the guy pulling the strings the whole way he popped up it you know here and there throughout all of the movies and then finally came to the forefront in Infinity War and Endgame Uh, and again you know they're gonna have Kang with Ant-Man but I think they're gonna have a hard time peppering him in enough we you know saw a variant of him as he who Remains. He was awesome. He was um, amazing. yeah. He was awesome. But I think the problem is there's there's all there's variants of them all. Exactly. So it's not the same character the whole time. And I think you know with the Kang Dynasty, we're going to probably see a lot more of those variants. But it's going to be hard, I think, to really build a connection to that character over one phase and you know a few years worth of movies. Whenever the Infinity Saga took place over a decade, but for this, we're going to not include the Avengers movies because, again, I think it's a little bit unfair when you pull all those characters together. Obviously, those movies are going to be really great. So that leaves us with eight different franchises. So you have Iron Man with Iron Man, Iron Man 2, and Iron Man 3, Thor with Thor, Thor the Dark World, Thor Ragnarok, and Thor Love and Thunder. Uh, You had Captain America uh, with Captain America, the first Avenger. Captain America and the Winter Soldier, uh, and the Captain America Civil War. You have the Spider-Man series with Homecoming, Far From Home, and No Way Home, Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. You have Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp, Doctor Strange and Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and then most recently Black Panther and Wakanda Forever. So there's eight of them. We're going to do top three, bottom three. So Angela, what are your bottom three franchises? We'll start with the, the, our least favorite uh, of the MCU franchises.
0: Okay. So in order, because I did all of mine in order, my bottom three franchises... So this is your
1: worst. You yeah, the so worst? my absolute worst, okay. I'm going to
0: say first and then from there. So the worst is Ant-Man and then Doctor Strange and Captain America. So I know that I am probably in the minority with putting Captain America in that bunch. And
1: Doctor Strange, too. I think that that's interesting that you have them near the bottom. Okay,
0: so I think that probably a lot of people would agree with me about Ant-Man. Ant-Man's not the strongest story. I love Paul Rudd. Um, I kind of wish that they would have done more with him, but that character just doesn't seem to resonate. Um, I, he didn't really resonate with me. Those movies don't stick in my mind much. He's funny, but he's not... He's not an effective sort of funny because there's another franchise here that, for me, is hilarious but also really resonates with me.
1: Yeah, so I, I will add in here just because I had Ant-Man as my bottom of my bottom three as well. And it's not because I don't love Paul Rudd and I I oh my goodness. don't love Ant-Man. Paul Rudd's great. I think Ant-Man is an interesting character. Bobby but,
0: Newport is amazing.
1: <laughs> but I, I'm with you. I think as a series of movies and as a franchise they are okay movies they've used them after avengers movies or to end phases as kind of like a palate cleanser so there's very little Mm. stakes to them and they're kind of just like fun breezy movies but there's not really a lot in them and you really don't dive too deep in the characters. The only reason the Ant-Man movies are important is because in Ant-Man and the Wasp, we get the quantum realm, which then leads to the time travel that happens in Endgame. So if it wasn't for Ant-Man and the Wasp and Ant-Man going into the quantum realm, we would never have time travel. We would never have Endgame. That's really the only reason Ant-Man and the Wasp and the Ant-Man franchise is kind of really even important you know, up to Mm -hmm. that point. So I think for those reasons, for me, that's why it is in the bottom, unfortunately. I think... Ant-Man, instead of being a franchise, I think it would have actually benefited if Disney Plus had been around yeah, as a I Disney Plus series, as, as a limited series, something you know with the quantum realm. I think the problem is Paul Rudd is such a huge star. Would he want to do something that is essentially a television show? Now, he started on TV. He was on Friends. I mean,
0: he you was made, on Friends. Yeah, Is that he, what he's.
1: Re- oh, really? I don't. He. I don't know if he started on Friends, but he was on Friends um, for a little bit, and he. You know, and so he's been know, on TV.
0: Also, the best show ever. He was
1: on Parks and Rec. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: I, I want to. If there were probably fifty million Parks and Rec podcasts, I think that would be my top of my list of of the other podcast I would love to do. You could start one. I, I mean, would would you be my co host? <laughs> would anybody, any of our listeners, love L- to hear yeah, it? Listen- Parks and Rec? <laughs> podcast because that is oh man that is such a good show it is
1: a great show and it's it's very rewatchable mean you can keep watching it over and over again i'm with you if hey i'll talk i'm sure we'll get one listener but (laughs) but yeah so he's done tv but i don't know would would you want to have paul rudd you know a a movie star like that just be in you know a disney plus tv limited series with not having a movie but i I actually think as a disney plus series you could get a little bit more comedic you could kind of you know, let Paul Rudd shine a little bit more. And I actually think it would do that character good. And I think it would get you to the same place that the movies get to.
0: Yeah. I think that, you know, Disney has had Marvel for a while now, but, whenever you think about it, you know, for me, at least one of the most effective things that Marvel has ever had or had done with it is honestly Daredevil and what Netflix did with Daredevil. And I don't think that would have rendered so well into a movie, although Daredevil would make an amazing movie. But the week to week, like that drama, the, the, the longer, you know, I think it was what like probably a forty to fifty minute long show. Um, that show really sticks out in my mind as being really. You have time to dig into the
1: characters more with this yeah, long form series.
0: Yeah, and I just think it was really for what they did with with that show. I mean, it stands out in my mind as one of the best Marvel things that have been done, and Disney's been at it for a while now, and I don't think they've really out. Done what Netflix did with you know Daredevil, and they tried Daredevil how many times, and he didn't work. You know there was a, dare- a couple Daredevil movies. Um, oh yeah,
1: but that was that was before um, that was with Ben Affleck. That was before the MCU, before Marvel right. had Marvel Studios. I, I don't remember what. Studio made those Daredevil movies, but that was back when they were selling, you know, the rights to things. Um, but yeah, I, I'm with you. The Netflix uh, Daredevil series is great, I'm, so I'm really excited that he's, Disney's he's, bringing yeah. you know bringing him back for Disney Plus to see you know a proper MCU Daredevil series uh, is interesting. Okay, so you had uh, Ant Man. We agree there. All right, so why Doctor Strange and Captain America? Because I I disagree with both of those being in the bottom three.
0: Okay, so I actually really I you really, just hate Captain America. I is, really think <laughs> I really enjoyed. Doctor Strange, the original movie. However, this last movie was just a bit too much for me. Um, I think that a lot of times the whole multiverse, the multiverse, I think, is very difficult to wrap your mind around. I think at times it seems a bit, I don't, for lack of a better word, weak. Like I don't know if it's well, that my mind doesn't fully grasp it, or it's just the fact that I think it is just so outlandish. And, and it's a
1: convenient, uh, you know, plot point. It's a way of like. Oh, if something doesn't make sense and we need to get a character out of something, there can just be some sort of multiversal explanation. You know, it's, it's right. what a lot of people have with, you know, like House of the Dragon, for instance. Like, oh, when somebody's in a jam, just have a dragon come out and eat somebody. And, you know, it's like these dragons can always be there and do whatever you need to do. You can kind of do that with the multiverse that, yeah, it makes it a little bit hard to remember, like, what are the rules we're playing by here?
0: Doctor Strange, I think, falls in that, in that you know, worst movies around because one, it only has two movies. So, you know, both of them should be really, really excellent for it to rank in my top. Um, and I think the first one was really good, but the second one just didn't I didn't find it as good. I felt a little uncomfortable with making Wanda the villain, you know, oh, look at this like poor woman who lost her kids. And it kind of I don't know, it I understand why she was the villain there, but it does—it's a that's a very tough topic to bring up in a movie. Um, so I, I just didn't I didn't love that one, but Captain America, and I will I will die on this hill. <laughs> Cap is the least appealing of all of the heroes. He's too much of a goody-goody. He does have one of the best, actually two of the best things that happens with him. So, I mean, it is hilarious because two of my favorite movies of all of the MCU are when Cap gets Mjolnir. and also the 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 line about his butt, which was well, it's also in the very same funny. movie. It is because that's an amazing movie. But I will say that is the best that we see of Captain America because he has become more human by then. He's not so much of like this goody goody android, which is why I just can't really I don't like the other movies because he does kind of start up as this like goody goody android that you know he just he's the best of us. And I I don't know. I just, I don't really connect with that character. Love Chris Evans. Very, you know, he's awesome, but I just don't love Cap.
1: Well, I, I think, I mean, for those reasons, I think that's one of the reasons why I like Captain America. Cause I think as a character, he is one of the characters that does actually have an arc and he does grow throughout the movies where, yeah, I mean, he starts in the original Captain America where he is this, you know, goody two shoes guy has these ideals. He believes, you know, Uh, you know, very much. He's kind of very naive in in his beliefs and things. And then as time goes on, he kind of sees how people can be corrupted and how, you know, some of the institutions he puts his beliefs in have become corrupted. And I think he does have a good arc, but I agree with you. He really shines uh, in the Avengers movies, but I'll I'll get back to Captain America, but rounding out the rest of my bottom three, which I think these may surprise you, Um, because i was even a little surprised as i was going through but just how they rank out i think this is they are the bottom so we talked about ant-man my next one is the guardians of the galaxy franchise which i think may surprise a lot of people hiss Um, because again guardians of the galaxy is a great movie and i think the first one is a great movie i think it handled the team up and bringing those characters together very well it's it's difficult to have you know Five main characters come together um, and to have, you know, introduce all their storylines and interact. But I think that did that very well. But for me, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is not on the same level as Guardians of the Galaxy. It's definitely a step down. So you can't be one of the best franchises if you do not have consistent hits, uh, one after another. So the fact that Guardians of the Galaxy 2 of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two is a bit of a letdown. The story is kind of weak. It's it's pretty forgettable, and not really much happens in terms of driving the overall MCU storyline forward. Um, from there, now maybe Guardians Three will kind of, in retrospect, make that more effective and make that a better movie. But for me, it's a bit of a step down, and compared to the other franchises and, and how i i rank them i'm not going to put guardians above them so just kind of in the natural order this is where it falls here
0: i'm sorry isn't that where the line a mary poppins you comes from yes yeah,
1: so we did get that we do get mary poppins in a guardians movie so that was pretty good but but otherwise it's just it's not as good a movie and when i looked at these i kind of looked at okay again if you're going to be a top franchise you have to have solid movies across the board or you know in some cases You have an incredible movie that maybe helps you kind of overlook one of the other movies not being as high quality. Um, And for me, I don't think Guardians of the Galaxy elevates the whole franchise so much that I can forget about Volume 2. And then it's like, you know, which ones do I wanna watch again and again? Like, I could pass on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. So if it's a movie I'm not that excited about or that excited to really see again, that's going to hurt it for me. I also look at, you know, how does it tie into the larger MCU storyline? H- how do these characters kind of tie in? And again, Guardians volume two kind of being a bit forgettable on all those fronts. So that, that's kind of where it falls here.
0: So I just have to interject here because I actually, you know, kind of moving a little ahead, have Guardians ranked as my number two of the best. So I kind of want to just jump in here. I actually think. Guardians is one of the best movies. Now I will agree with you that the second one isn't as memorable as the first one, but the characters of Peter Quill and Rocket Raccoon and Groot are so iconic. And actually, I would argue that the fact that those movies don't tie super in to the overall MCU is fantastic. You can just watch one of those movies, enjoy them for what they are, and not have to be like, well, wait, what's the, where's this coming from? Oh, where's that coming from? How is this tie in? Like, it is actually nice. I love some of the movies in the MCU whenever they don't have a whole lot to do with the, the greater scheme because... They are standalone, really. And the internet agrees with me. So Rotten Tomatoes, for the first Guardians, has a 92% tomato... Score tomato, tomato tier tomatoes score for the oh, I'm sorry, it's the tomato meter and the audience, both 92%. I
1: I agree, insane. I agree with you. The first Guardians of the Galaxy is great, I do not disagree with that. Again, if we're talking singular movies, Guardians is much higher on the list, but as a franchise, Volume 2 is too much of a step down for me to put it as one of the best franchises. But
0: you know, taking that into account. On Rotten Tomatoes, because I was like, okay, I mean, Volume 2 wasn't nearly as good, but uh, Volume 2 still got an 85 and an 87 on Rotten Tomatoes, 87 going with the audience score, 85 as being, they still certified it fresh. I mean, it was a good solid movie so I think that there's only two of them and the fact that both of them I thought were pretty solid rewatchable movies I'd watch either of them right now probably would rather watch the first one I think it's a better movie but I would love to see the you know the <laughs> and then say I'm Mary Poppins y'all because I, I you awesome I love
1: how you knock Doctor Strange for only having two movies and yet Guardians you go there's only two movies so it's easier to be better and you put that higher. Whereas I would argue the doctor strange movies one and two are better on balance than both guardians movies.
0: See, I like, and again, this has to do with personal preference tone. Tonally doctor strange is a lot more serious and, Guardians is a lot more light and airy and fluffy and that is what I like in a movie watching experience I'll give you that. so that's I'll give you why that. two why that is number 2 for me um I mean I did rank a more serious franchise I think above that but I just I love the airiness of Guardians it has a different feel All right
1: and then my my last one in the bottom 3 and this is maybe what's probably most surprising is Iron Man No, which wrong. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people be like, Iron Man is probably the best character in the MCU. And I do not disagree with that. I think as a character, I think Tony Stark and I think Iron Man are great. I think Iron Man is one of the, if not the best character in the MCU, but I think Iron Man is best. And I think when we look back on Iron Man, the moments we remember most about Iron Man are from the Avengers movies and when Tony Stark shows up in other people's movies. So when he's in Spider-Man, Tony Stark's great. When he's in Civil War, Tony Stark's great. When he's in Infinity War and Endgame, those are the memorable moments you have with Tony Stark when he's in other people's movies, and that's what makes Tony Stark a great character because how he connects the Avengers and how he connects the MCU through the Infinity Saga is what makes Tony great. His solo outings, when it's just the Iron Man movies, are not that great. So the first Iron Man is a good movie, but it's the beginning of the MCU, and this is a little bit of a theme um, with with my top movies as well. Is early on the MCU was still kind of figuring itself out. So those early movies, the first Iron Man, the first Thor, the first Captain America, while they're good movies, they're not the same caliber as you know Infinity War, Endgame. One, they didn't have the 200 million dollar budgets and they were just kind of figuring themselves out so iron man is a great movie and what it did but you know it it has its problems because it's early mcu iron man 2 is not a good movie it's very forgettable you know it's kind of rushed. like iron man did well we got to capitalize on it let's make a second one it does not do that great so having that drop off hurts it as a franchise
0: I've actually seen that movie probably more times than the first Iron Man because we had a digital copy of that, and that was my gym movie for a while. So I watched that one a couple times. You so you made me with, love it with Mickey Rourke. I thought it was decent, but I I could see where you're again. But from. it's
1: a drop off. And Iron Man three was a good movie, but again, I don't think it's good enough to lift the franchise and overcome. You know how poor of a movie Iron Man two was, and. Again, just Iron Man as a character, if you didn't have Iron Man 3, are you going to lose out on the character development of Iron Man? Are you going to lose out on some special moment of Iron Man? I don't think so. And so I think that hurts it. So the Iron Man franchise is not a strong franchise. The Iron Man character is great, but if you think about it, if you think of your favorite Iron Man moment, except maybe from the original Iron Man of an ending with, I am Iron Man. I mean, outside of that, all of the other great moments come in, either a team-up Avengers movie or someone else's movie.
0: Yeah, I, I think that, you know, I'm I'm glad I knocked Iron Man out of my top three. I can see where your argument is coming from, and I do like your point that Iron Man is better in moments in other people's movies than he is in his own, and I do think, with the exception of the first movie, I, I would agree with that. I think some of the, you know, two and three were a little bit more, I don't want to say a mess, they weren't a mess, but... Um, for lack of a better word, like they weren't as impactful. I don't think a lot of it was about kind of like the love story, but him struggling with his arc reactor, um, which is it kind of it is a cool idea because he has that arc reactor that protects him from the shrapnel, um, and that would definitely be a struggle to factor in. So he's basically terminally ill. I don't know. It, it is interesting, but. I can see where you're where you're coming from. The the rest of the plot lines aren't as interesting.
1: All right. So moving into my top three, because Iron Man plays a role in my top three movies. So this is where again I'm saying I think he's better in other people's movies. So my top three, so my third one is Captain America. So I like Captain America. I think the original Ooh. Captain America, again, like I said, that early MCU is a little bit weak. And so while the first Captain America isn't as good, I the the second and third Captain America more than make up for it. So this is an instance where the sequels are so good that they kind of help gloss over some of those early MCU issues. So The Winter Soldier is an incredible movie. It was the first time we got the Russo brothers. This is where they really start taking hold. They, they do so well that they basically are handed the rest of the Infinity Saga through Civil War And then the the last two Avengers movies. But The Winter Soldier as kind of this geopolitical thriller where Hydra has infiltrated the government. And again, this is where Captain America starts to grow because he's starting to question the institutions that he thought he needed to protect and were kind of infallible. Uh, It is great. The third Captain America movie with, with Civil War is basically a mini Avengers movie. So again, this is where you get Tony fighting Cap and you know that is just a, a kind of a powerful image where you have now two heroes fighting each other and they're kind of taking sides you get the introduction of of Black Panther you get Baron Zemo in here you won't have dancing Zemo if it wasn't for <laughs> Civil War and that really does and that really acts as a launching off point for what happens in the Avengers movies because the Avengers essentially break up due to, you know, the civil war and, you know, half of them going with Tony, half of them going with cap and kind of going underground because now they're fugitive. So for me, overall, Captain America uh, is a great franchise. So that's why it is my third uh, favorite franchise in the MCU.
0: Okay. Now you, now you reminded me why I don't like the Captain America franchise, besides the fact that I don't love Steve Rogers it creates an incredibly uncomfortable situation. And I don't know if you under, you know that I work, well, not work, but I do a Disney podcast. So I like Happily Ever After, you know, happy, happy, let's all get along and stuff. And I cannot stay, I hate, I hated that whole part with like where Cap and Tony were fighting. I did not like that whole plot line. I just want everybody to get along and to love each other and to be on the same side. And that tension I couldn't stand like I did not like any part of those plot lines.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because it's it's an understandable disagreement, but it's also an odd disagreement. So obviously, you know, uh, the Winter Soldier murdered Tony's parents. Uh, Steve knew about that, didn't tell Tony. So he's mad about that. But then the whole thing with the Sokovia Accords, it seems odd that like Tony would just say, yeah, let the government control the Avengers when you know he's this, he was this playboy, you know, kind of gunslinger type guy, and he's like, "Oh yeah," have and the he's against control. giving the
0: government control of his weapons. And yeah, stuff, so too. it
1: it, see, it seems like an odd take, and it and it it I think that's what makes it interesting because it is to a certain extent a very simple disagreement that's kind of like why can't you guys get past this? But also a very real thing where this happens a lot of times in families and in friendships where. There's a minor disagreement, and then you kind of go like, "Why are we even fighting?" Eventually, but it does have serious repercussions.
0: Also, just the f- whole fact that politics plays in again too much, like real life. Want to get that out of my movies, so I, I don't want anything to do with it. Right. So that's why. All
1: right. So then, rounding out my top two. So my next one is Spider-Man. I think uh, the Spider-Man franchise uh, is solid from start to finish with Homecoming, Far From Home, and then most recently No Way Home with all of the spider man coming back together. I think what Marvel did really well, and I think why Spider-Man works is because we've had so many Spider-Man movies. And so we know Spider-Man as a character. He's very popular, but he's a great character, but we know him. So Marvel didn't try to redo a third time his origin story. We don't Mm -hmm. need to see Uncle Ben dying, all that sort of stuff. So when it comes to Homecoming, we don't need to see him getting bitten by a spider. When you start the movie, he is Spider-Man. And I think Tom Holland is the perfect Spider-Man. Out of all of them, I think Tom Holland is kind of made for this role. You know, he he's younger. I think he's probably the youngest um, of any of the Spider Men. You know, when he's actually playing Spider Man, so I think it fits. It's just they're fun movies. I think he just brings uh, like a realism and a heart to the character, which is great. I think that again, they were smart by not retreading his backstory, not letting it get bogged down. So Homecoming's a great introduction. Far from Home is a little bit. Forgettable, I will give you. It's not a bad movie. It's definitely not as much a step down as some of the other ones, like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. But it does lead us into the decisions Peter makes in No Way Home to try to have people forget about Spider-Man, forget about Peter Parker, and then causing you know th- this major crossover event. And you have a lot of character growth, you know, with Peter. Now he's left at this point where he has nobody. He's kind of all alone. Nobody remembers him. And he puts him in an interesting spot. And so I think all of those movies, again, as a whole, uh, are so incredible and so well done that for me, Spider Man, I mean, I could probably make an argument that Spider Man is the best franchise the MCU has right now. But for me, and maybe it's it's a bias because my number one uh, franchise is the movie that we just most recently saw. So maybe that's why I put it slightly ahead of Spider-Man. But for me right now, I'm putting Spider-Man number two.
0: Um, So interestingly enough, Spider-Man was my number one. So I'm going to kind of pile on a little bit. I agree with almost all of your points. I think that Tom Holland is the perfect Spider-Man. I like the levity he brings to the character. You know, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield didn't quite have that same, like, I don't want to say precocious, but he had, he just has, like, a sort of, like, a fun-loving personality. Now, he actually has a very interesting arc because his arc, you know, he starts as this very fun-loving character, and he's get, he gets bogged down through his series. That is my one complaint about the Spider- Spider-Man series is that... It is, you know, by the end, we end up with a really kind of sad character where he's lost literally everything. Um, but he has to make and he has to make a lot of hard decisions. But the payoffs in the third movie, I think, were maybe worth that for me, just because, you know, seeing all of these movies as, you know, being a person that has enjoyed Spider-Man for years and years and years and seen all the movies, seeing all of those elements come together and all those bad guys come together. And really interact well, and seeing how they tied the storylines together. I mean, I thought that that was brilliant. Um, it was a really well done movie. So all of them were solid, solid movies, all three of them. So I think that's why that one, you know, goes on top for me.
1: Yeah, and, and really quick, I just looked this up because, like you mentioned, you know, Tom Holland brings a levity to it um, that I think some of the other ones did not. And kind of like I said, I think the fact that he is. Younger, I think, is what helps. He's closer in age to the character, that makes it more realistic that he's in high school. So I just looked it up. Toby McGuire was actually 26 uh, in the first Spider-Man movie. Huh, how old? Man. So, but again, <laughs> you know, Spider-Man is supposed to be playing a teenager, a college student. So he's 26, so he's older. Andrew Garfield was 27. Tom Holland was 20. I was going to say they so, were practically elderly. Yeah. So so Tom Holland <laughs> is 20, playing a high school student. So it is. It's much more believable and i think that helps again not that 26 or 27 is very old but you know whenever you're 27 supposedly playing I mean, an 18 or 19 year old um it, it does bring a little bit of a different dynamic if to
0: you it. ask a fourth grader they'd say
1: that was ancient so i mean yeah, they'd say that's 75 exactly all right so my top one again kind of alluded to this and, and i do believe this is that black panther is the best franchise right now in the MCU. The first Black Panther movie, when we when we ranked the movies a long time ago, um, I think this was before Endgame, so uh, this was a, a few years ago. You can go and, and check that episode out. When we rank all of the MCU, Black Panther um, was up there in our top two movies. So Black Panther is an incredible movie. It still is an incredible movie. I think the fact of... Wakanda as a nation and as a culture uh, is incredible and it's something so different. I think that just that adds something that these other movies do not have.
0: Yeah Wakanda you know it is the setting of Wakanda is so alluring it is so rich culturally you know visually there are so many things about it I mean the clothing everything about it it makes me want to go there it makes me want to stay there the people make me want to be there you know even seeing in the in the this last movie and I mean I'm not no spoilers or anything but you know seeing the people people living and then seeing the even the likenesses between the two cultures that end up kind of clashing—it makes an interesting commentary on, you know, we all come from different areas, we're different, or but also we have a lot of similarities. And I just think there's something very beautiful about Wakanda.
1: Yeah, and I'll just add the score of the movies, that the, mm-hmm. the sounds they use um, are very unique and interesting. And to kind of your point, the characters in that—I think that's one of the the great benefits of the Black Panther franchise. So not only do you have your main hero, uh T'Challa, the Black Panther, you have the other characters. So you have Okoye, uh, who's oh, great. You I have you have Shuri who's great. You know, they they add to that world. Like it, it, there's not a lot of these movies that have multiple characters. Mbaku uh, is incredible. So, like you, you have a lot of great side characters as well who could lead their own Disney Plus series. Which there's rumors now that the Dora are going to have a Disney Plus show and maybe is going to be in there. I'm all over that. Yeah, so, I mean, like you could do that. I also think they have the most consistent villain. So I think Killmonger in the first Black Panther was a really interesting villain because it provided this unique dynamic between what T'Challa believed should happen and what Killmonger thought should happen with Wakanda's resources. And then I think in the second movie in Wakanda Forever, Namor is a very interesting villain and again provides a, a good reflection to what Shuri's going through and it helps her kind of work through her beliefs and you know what type of person does she want to become in the wake of her brother's death. And I also think I mean as as sad and as kind of gut-wrenching that was being in that movie and again don't want to talk too much about Wakanda forever, but I think even from the trailers you see there's a funeral. They obviously knew they were going to deal with Chadwick Boseman's death. I think the way they deal with that the way it pulls in that real life because you know that character's gone on the screen, but he's also gone in real life. I mean, that, that does add something. You, you can't dismiss that, and that helps elevate it. And I think there's just a lot of really great things that this franchise can go going forward. The fact that Black Panther is not just a superhero in Wakanda. Is Wakanda is a nation, so there's geopolitical implications and, and kind of this idea of, you know, if you're a superhero but also a ruler of a country, how that kind of plays into things. It's just really interesting. I think there's a lot of great ways that this franchise can go.
0: This movie makes me feel, you know, a lot of pride. It is so beautiful in so many ways. You know, I see the Dora Milaje and I see strong women who are you know, helping protect their nation and women that girls, young girls can look up to and see them and see that beauty is not just, you know, having long hair or whatever. These women are all bald and they are so gorgeous because they are strong. And that is the Dora for me is like, when I go to Disneyland, that's what I want to yeah, see. That's what actually moves me to tears because I see these women, and I'm just like, "Oh my gosh!" Like they're not real, but I want to be them.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting contrast to like Black Widow, who uses yeah. her looks and, and things like that to infiltrate and and kind of execute her missions. Where yeah, the the Dora are, are like no nonsense. It's about being fierce and strong, uh, and it, it is kind of an interesting dichotomy um and like you said it, they they provide very good role models you know mm-hmm. to, to young girls
0: yeah and then queen ramonda um you know angela bassett in this latest movie is such a powerhouse her acting is impeccable i think she should be nominated for some of the speeches that she has to give in the second movie because she's in this position of a of, again, no no spoiler here, but as of a woman who now is forced to run a nation after her son has died. So she is put in this very strange position where she has to both portray power, but also you know she is struggling underneath. So yeah, I, I just think that overall, like you were saying, the characters are very strong, and that there are other characters besides just your main one. And also, I mean, ugly cry during the beginning of that movie. It's the silence is so um, laden. It is like a moment of silence they have in the movie, which was a really beautiful thing that they did. So I mentioned all of my my top two movies. So I mentioned that Spider-Man was my number one and Guardians was my number two. So I didn't mention my number three, which I know that this is there's a big chink in this armor, but Number three for me is the Thor franchise. I know the Dark World is terrible. It's the worst movie in uh, the MCU. But I loved the first one. I loved the Kenneth Branagh version of... Thor. I did like the turn that they took though when Taika Waititi took over and Ragnarok is my favorite movie still of all of the movies. Um, I just think it is, you know, has a really fun offbeat sense of humor. I love the turn that Thor took. I love the new characters that get introduced. I love Korg. It is just a really good time of a movie. And again, as I kind of have mentioned before, that to me is what I'm looking for is, you know, a really fun movie where the main characters kick some butt and are are fun to watch and you root for them. That's what I want, and I think you know Love and Thunder was was more of that. So I think that Thor is for me my third best franchise because I love it so very much. Yeah,
1: for me, Ragnarok is great, but it was not enough to overcome Thor: the dark world which which is not a good movie and again i think the original thor is decent but i think it suffers a bit from being early mcu before they found their footing before they really put a lot of money into these movies uh you know it's a decent introduction but if you look back at it i don't know that it ages as well uh as some of these other movies do so while ragnarok is great i don't think it's enough to lift Thor overall as a franchise and love and thunder assault. I think if love and thunder was maybe better, if it maybe wowed me a little bit more, that would maybe push it up. But I I think for me, my top three black Panther, Spider-Man and Captain America, that's a pretty hard three to crack. I think I would probably have Thor uh, as four right there. So again, maybe if you didn't have dark world, maybe if you had, maybe if it went Thor, Thor Ragnarok, which I don't know if Thor Ragnarok would work as a second movie, but Maybe if you went Thor, Thor Ragnarok, and Love and Thunder, that's a maybe you know more compelling reason uh, to put it in the top three. Um, but yeah, Ragnarok was just not enough for me to to crack the top three there. All right, so that wraps up our list: best MCU franchises, worst MCU franchises. Very different picks. We almost like inverted some of them. <laughs> uh in terms of you know your worst of captain america is one of my best um but we both agree that spider-man is pretty good uh, well
0: you are that was your one pick that you were wrong on is captain america well we had guardians so
1: we have guardians we to uh, yeah, guardians yeah. as two and i had it in, in my bottom as i well. will
0: say guardians for me is just it is a tonal choice i can get why you'd put it towards the bottom but for me i just like the tone of the guardians franchise yeah. so
1: if we average them spider-man's number one <laughs> If, oh, yeah. if we average it, spider is really the best franchise, which I think a lot of people would agree with that, that Spider-Man is, is the best, you know, probably character franchise the MCU has right now. And I
0: think you convinced me that maybe I should have put Black Panther up higher than I did. So I would I would be willing to concede that some of my picks could have gotten knocked down a little bit. I think so. It's a great movie. If you've not
1: seen Wakanda forever, uh, definitely go see it. Bring it, a box of tissues. It's it's a great movie. Uh it's getting back to really solid MCU movies and it gets me excited about you know where the MCU is going, so I'm excited to see more of these movies again uh, going forward. So that wraps up the show for this week. I want to thank everybody again for listening. If you've not done so, please leave us a rating or a review. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. It really helps, and we really appreciate it.
0: Thanks for lending us your ears. Have a
1: great week, everybody. We'll see you here next Monday.
0: Bye bye.